The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debates. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guest on Off the Shelf is Sonny Hashmi. Sonny is the commissioner of GSA's Federal Acquisition Service, and we're going to Talk about FAS, what's going on there, um, how it's supporting customer missions, and what we can look forward to in the future uh, from uh, from FAS. Uh, so for first of all, Sonny, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for doing it, Roger. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to be part of this, and I look forward to the conversation. Well, first, let's just let's start with the big picture and the overall state of FAS, where you guys are, and what what what's some of the big uh, sort of news of the day. Yeah, sure thing. So uh, what I'm very pleased, and uh, I've been in this role for almost three years now, uh, having started uh, on January 20th, uh, 2021. And um, I am very proud to share that the, uh, the the organization itself and its performance continues to uh, beat every expectation. Uh, this year, we're going to be close to $90 billion in annual business plan. And uh, that was just, uh, it was about 25% year-on-year growth just in the last two years alone. And uh, part of that is because, uh, you know, obviously the organization um, uh, has, a lot, has a, lot of, uh, a lot to be proud of in terms of how we deliver and a focus on customer uh, outcomes and, and, and focusing on creating a marketplace that is accessible and, uh, and, and equitable and uh, compliant. But also uh, a lot of the focus that we have been putting um, on uh, really aligning to our customers' expectations. And so, with that thought in mind, uh, one of the one of the key things we announced just last week, and uh, but have been working on over the last year or so, is to really ask the question: as we look forward to the next five, ten, or fifteen years, how do we need to organize our processes, our teams, and our work in a way that is full, singularly focused on creating the right outcomes for our customers? So, at FAS, we do a lot of different things: everything from technology and cybersecurity to vehicle. Uh, to, uh, to, to furniture and office supplies, and the list goes on. Each one of these things ultimately have downstream value that they add to our customers. And so recently, we are in the process of reorganizing our entire organization so that all of our personnel, our teams, our processes, and our capabilities are aligned to creating the most customer value. Uh, historically, uh, our organization has been, uh, uh, been organized in, in our geographical territories, and we've noticed that over time, especially accelerated through the last four or five years, our customers have rethought how they want to be organized and how they want to create more efficiencies as they aligned their operations in, in different organizations. Uh, and, and, and so have we. We have noticed that we are able to tap into talent globally and nationally, but also uh, our customers are now located all over the country and therefore we need to meet them where they are. And as a result, uh, we are thinking about and will be executing over the next month a, 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 a realignment of our teams so that we can bring our best talent to solve the most pressing needs of our customers and are going to be totally focused on their mission and are going to be aligned uh, so that our teams are dedicated to serving particular customer segments. So I'm pretty excited about that work. That doesn't come about if the organization itself was in a very healthy place. 
Our business volume is great. Our execution is great. And this is a time for us to focus on setting ourselves up foundationally for the next five to 15 years. Right, Sonny. I, I mean, I think that's a great, your last point's a great point. Just like you're doing very, very well, which actually is the right time to think about the next, you know, sort of S-curve where things are going and to be prepared to to meet that customer need, future needs. And part of it, when you look at it, and I and also, you know, the, the issue of, the regional organization of FAS and GSA generally versus the way your customers are organized. Is this something too that you, that you sort of got further emphasized through the pandemic and COVID and just how people have, have the workplace has changed, whether it's virtual and that engagement in technology and what it can do. So focusing more on that customer, which is nationwide versus having a structure that's very, geographical is, is that is did COVID have a little bit to do with that just as you saw because you continue to grow throughout COVID yeah certainly COVID has certainly had a uh, put a finer point on I think a long-term trend um, listen all of our customers all of our uh, clients in a global uh, environment that we're operating in are thinking about how they could bring their talents in a, in a together in a way that creates the most efficiency and most acceleration in our case for example it's been always uh, important for us to bring together business processes, systems, and uh, policies in a way that create a consistent and uh, and scalable customer experience. By having this uh, this kind of uh, this 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 alignment align customer centric uh, you know uh, segments, what we can do is we can bring processes together so there's consistency in every interaction we have with our customers. Historically, our customers have had to work across many different teams and FAS, which sometimes had its own pricing model, sometimes had its own uh, processes internally, and therefore there was an inconsistent experience that we sometimes deliver. So I'm excited about not only, uh, you know, this, this change that is going to help us scale for the next five to 10 years. I'm also excited about the internal benefits we will gain. By bringing these teams together in national teams and aligned to customer segments, we will have a lot of efficiency and alignment around business processes. We will also be able to reuse best practices across teams. And lastly, we'll be able to hire talent nationally wherever it's available because as we know we're all in a talent war. And we need to be able to set ourselves up so that we're not artificially limiting our access to the best and brightest talent, no matter where it may be residing across the country. And so it sounds to me like you've attacked some of the remaining sort of stovepipes within the organization to try to get that you know, those business processes as the foundation for a customer folk, more, even more customer focus than you already currently have to deliver that value. Um, is it in terms of customer focus, is that going to be like, so certain entities or individuals be focusing like on the Navy or air force and that'll be their, you know, customer base. And then others look at the army or other parts of DODs rather than that geographical sort of model. That's exactly right. Uh, so are we going to have dedicated teams both in the pre-acquisition cycle and the post-acquisition cycle? So from the very beginning, when we engage our customers to make sure that they understand our capabilities, our technology, our options and solutions, all the way to helping them through a procurement cycle or a shared service acquisition, all the way through post-award support and lifetime management of that contract or that program, we will have dedicated teams aligned to those customer segments. So over time, those teams will become more and more familiar with and experts into our customer's mission 
They will understand the marketplace that they're operating in. They will understand the challenges and opportunities that exist. But also the customers will have more and more deep tie-in and familiarities with those teams. We've already seen this work uh, very effectively where we're able to not only you know, dedicate folks who are uh, focused on, for example, highly specialized programs such as SBIR uh, capabilities or NC, uh, you know, um, C2S capabilities or areas which, are, which require a higher level of expertise anyway, those teams become more and more experts, bigger and bigger experts in those highly specialized areas and ultimately being, you know, uh, generate more customer intimacy and trust because you know the customer is having uh, uh, connections with and tie-ins to a, a consistent uh, team that they get to know over time. We hope to bring that same level of intimacy and expertise across all of our customer segments. And, um, and, and, and as you mentioned, uh, by having these dedicated teams that we can hopefully even source from uh, uh, personnel who are departing our customers sometimes, we can develop that level of intimacy, but also a deeper level of understanding and appreciation for their, uh, for their mission. And so uh, I'm very excited about uh, uh, this change. Of course, your organizations take time and uh, we're gonna have many months and even uh, up to the full year in front of us to fine tune every aspect of this organization. It's gonna touch many aspects of FAS and our operation. But once fully implemented, I am confident that not only is it going to increase the value that we generate for our customers, but also create new opportunities for our internal workforce to thrive, uh, grow forward in their careers, and create new opportunities for us to source talent from across the nation. This perfect moment to take our break, and we'll come back and continue our conversation, Sonny. Uh, you know, as we get into the next segment, I just want to touch a couple other quick questions about the reorg, and then we can uh, move on to some other topics like uh, transactional data reporting, some other things I know that are that you guys are focusing on. My guest today is Sonny Hashmi. He is the commissioner of GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. I'm Roger Walder, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Walder. My guest today is Sonny Hashmi. He is the commissioner of GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. Um, first segment, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, the just announced uh, reorganization uh, of the Federal Acquisition Service to, um, to continue to enhance that focus on customer service and supporting the federal mission. And uh, Sonny, just a couple other um, questions based on you know what we talked about in the first segment and number one i know i know you're reaching out to c- your customer base and you know talking to them about this transition and it'd be interesting to hear you know how how that part of it is going um and what you're hearing back and at the same time you know industry is your other partner um and, and you guys are the connective tissue between uh the customer and industry how are those kind of communications going? Yeah, of course. Uh, so uh, the good news is that, uh, listen, customer intimacy and focus on customer value is not new to us. We have many, many dedicated teams who have been uh, working very closely with our customers across the country and even over uh, across the world for many years. And, um, you know, these folks care deeply about their customers' mission. They've been uh, dedicating themselves, everything in terms of even today, we have folks on the ground in uh, Maui helping with FEMA and other uh, agencies coordinate response and uh, provide the services they need. And so these are the folks who are going to continue to serve their customers. These are the folks who are going to stay connected to and located near customer locations and continue to provide them support. So our customers are excited to continue to work with these dedicated folks. And over time, 
as those needs expand, continue to bolster these teams with new talent and expand our access. So one of the ways that we're also setting ourselves up is scaling. We've noticed that our customers' needs are expanding. They need uh, more and more services from us. And in our old model, it was difficult to add scale where it was needed. But now that our teams are assigned to customer segments, we can start to continue to scale those teams as they're, as they're needed. As for industry engagement, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to share that uh, our industry uh, satisfaction scores have never been higher. And this is actually going through a very difficult couple of years. As you know, we've had some challenges around you know, renegotiated pricing, uh, you know, impacts of inflation have been difficult. And I'm very empathetic to all those, uh, you know, downstream effects that our customer, uh, that industry partners face. Yet we continue to focus on lowering barriers to entry and creating new opportunities for industry partners to succeed. And so in a similar way as customers are going to have alignment uh, by industry teams, we're also bringing together the right teams and, uh, and capabilities so that industry uh, partners can get a more consistent experience. Uh, one of the challenges we've had previously is because there's many different uh, schedule uh, centers, uh, sometimes those processes don't always align and they're somewhat uh, specialized depending on which category of spend you're operating in. So by bringing these teams together, we, we hope that some of these processes can be streamlined and become more consistent so that we can provide a much more consistent experience to our industry partners. Right. And that's, that is to the FAS's credit um, and your leadership, you it's an open door in the sense of sharing information about how those kind of things are going. And I, you know, I think, I think this approach will position, you know, that breaking down of those stovepipes is going to, you know, I think help enhance the ability of uh, industry and GSA to support customer agency mission. Um, so, you know, tra- you know, change is hard. And reorganization is probably the hardest part of change, perhaps. You know, it's something that's been done for a couple decades a particular way, at least at this point. Um, Talk a little bit about your team that worked on this and their efforts, you know, to design this and then roll out the communication plan internally. And then obviously you did mention like the continuing, it's going to take a couple of years or whatever to, to put it on all place. Um, you know, talk a little bit about your team that's, you know, worked on this, uh, you know, with you um, and with um, your, um, you know, the, the, all the folks at FAS. Yeah. Thank you, Roger. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, uh, you know, all of this, um, you know, uh, I'm very confident in the plans that are underway. I'm, I'm confident that uh, we won't see any significant disruption, both to our operations, for our customers, suppliers. And it's only because of this tremendous amount of work that's gone into uh, both the planning and execution of this plan uh, by lots and lots of people. From the very beginning, I didn't want this to be a top-down directive that uh, required the agency to uh, realign itself. In fact, a lot of the work that we've done, almost all the work that we've done has been bottom-up. We've had a, 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 a tremendous team of, of, of folks who've been part of the organization for many, many years, led by uh, Tom Myron, who's been a region, regional, regional commissioner for many years and a tremendous leader, um, who have built every aspect of this plan, including how these teams are going to come together, how they're going to be organized, what the internal processes are going to be. And it's because all of this buy-in from the very beginning by this large team that have uh, a broad representation from all aspects of GSA, that all these plans are coming together in a way that makes sense to the operational realities of the organization. And so I'm very proud of the way we've approached it. This has not been a top-down directive, uh, rather a bottom-up uh, you know, ownership 
by all the teams across all of FAS and even across GSA who've been a stake who've been stakeholders into this process. So, so uh, my recommendation to anyone going through a similar process is empower your people to be part of the solution, rather than uh, you know directing a particular model on 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 the organization. And that's exactly what we've done here. And that's also a reason why I'm very confident that uh, you know due to the fact that I'm a political appointee, I certainly will. Uh, you know, we'll we'll have a time when I will depart uh, FAS, uh, you know, in my current capacity. But I know that this program will sustain because it's been built by people who are going to be operating it even after I'm gone. Right. Yeah, that's a you know that um, it is a lot of work. And, um, and let's turn to like some of I get maybe it's more mundane things. I don't know. Uh, just some of the operational things that are going on. And, you know, I know you referred to marketplace several times and GSA FAS really is a market maker um, that brings customer agencies and industry together to the, do the business on behalf of the American people. Um, and in doing that, making it easier, making it uh, dead easy to do business with GSA or through GSA and just start on a couple different topics. So number one, do you have any updates on uh, login, login.gov and how, how that's going? Yeah, I'm happy to share some. Thanks for asking the question. So first of all, listen, uh, going back to first principles, the value and the and 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 the need for uh, uh, for login.gov, specifically identity verification and authentication, has never been higher. We uh, continue to see that as agencies think about digital ways to engage with citizens, think of any government process where a citizen engages with their government. The first step in that process is to prove your identity digitally in an online world and to log in to some sort of a website, a system in a secure and compliant manner. And that, that, that continues to be problem number one to solve anytime you want to engage with your government. How many of us have so many different accounts in our personal lives, with our bank, with our investment firm, with our DMV, that we can't even remember the password, let alone uh, you know, have consistency of that experience. And so that's the problem we're trying to solve with login. I'm excited to share that the the program uh, continues to out uh, to to outperform even our even our biggest uh, um, anticipation. Today we have over 70 million uh, identities that have uh, been created in login, and uh, this, these are individual people who are interacting with their government in some capacity, um, and 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 they're doing it using this 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 online mechanism that we've created, uh, and that's that's a that's a very significant double-digit percentage increase. Just from the from the last uh, year alone, we have over um, uh, 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 twenty four pro. Uh, you know, we have uh, we we have um, uh, we're seeing uh, login now being integrated with uh, you know forty five plus agencies, uh, in, including um, engaging with uh, many state and local entities who are providing frontline support uh, for many entities. So, as I'll give an example, uh, we're obviously all aware of and. And, and, and deeply engaged with in some ways or, uh, or the other, the recent Maui wildfires. So imagine the experience of a resident of Maui who's been displaced due to the terrible wildfires that, uh, that have uh, consumed that island. As they engage with their government, they have to apply for an unemployment insurance. They have to apply for uh, perhaps a FEMA grant or uh, engage with FEMA to get some relief and, and, and restitution. They may want to engage with the SBA if they want to apply for a business loan or a grant because their business has been disrupted by natural disasters and many other uh, similar engagements. Login is becoming the front door for all of these engagements. In fact, today, Maui residents can use login.gov to log into all of these different government websites 
and get the benefits they need instead of having to constantly worry about how do I prove my identity. And by the way, residents can now go to the local post office and do in-person identity proofing, which has never been done before. For over 18,000 post office locations are now the front door to all government agencies, not just the postal service. So now you can walk down to your postal service, you can provide documentation, and now you have a login account that will let you into any government service. So very excited about the progress made here. I think it's just the tip of the iceberg. We have some exciting news to share. In fact, recently we issued a, um, a program update in the form of a roadmap that is now available on our website. If you're interested in more about learning more about where the program is going and what we're working on, please go check it out at gsa.gov. And uh, we're we're happy to share more more news in the in the coming months. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it sounds like significant progress being made, and and just making it truly making it that easier for people you know, who are engaging electronically with the government, like virtually, right? It's, it's That's a big deal. That's a game changer. So, Sonny, we're already up on the break for the second segment. When we come back, I'm going to ask you about transactional data reporting and where that's headed. Uh, my guest today is Sonny Hashmi. He is the commissioner of the Federal Acquisition Service at the General Services Administration. I'm Roger Waldron. You're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Sonny Hashmi. He is a commissioner for the Federal Acquisition Service at GSA. And, um, you know, uh, Sonny, uh, last segment, we talked about, uh, continue to talk about the reorg. We talked about login.gov. And again, here's another topic that is top of mind, especially as the industry or in general, and that's transactional data reporting on the schedules program. Uh, can you talk about where things are and organizationally and um, how you all, you all are approaching it? Yeah, of course, Roger. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, so just again, going back to first principles, listen, um, just, in, just in FAS alone, we have over 70 million products in our catalog, 70 million products and services in our catalog, um, which get uh, bought by different government agencies through hundreds of millions of transactions every year, right? The first job for any organization like ours is to have deep visibility into what's been bought by whom and for what reason, and what these products are and what their country of origin is and what risks they pose and opportunities they present. And so TDR um, is our, our approach to collecting line item level data for every transaction that happens in the federal government to, to make sure that we know that which agency is buying what product from our catalog, right? Sounds fairly straightforward. However, it's a pretty difficult problem to solve. Um, not only does that allow us to have data around, you know, what is being bought, which can be used for a variety of purposes, uh, from cybersecurity to supply chain risk management, but also allows us to collect line item data for pricing. That allows then ultimately decision makers to have access to data to make smarter database decisions when they're making purchasing decisions, right? So right. we have been uh, making continuous progress in expanding the use of TDR across parts of our multiple board schedules program. And uh, we've seen great results. Look, frank frankly, I can, I can share with you that across the board, we've seen the better contract level pricing under TDR than compared to contracts under the legacy pricing model for four consecutive years now. We've also seen lower contractor reporting burden. And in fact, from self-selected uh, vendors who, who choose to belong to TDR versus the old model, we've seen a 13% year-on-year increase completely without any forcing function. So we're seeing contractors and vendors 
choose to go to TDR because it lowers their burden and reporting burden. And most importantly, we're seeing, we're getting vital and extremely valuable marketing market intelligence that we did not have before, including, you know, when, when, when there's a cybersecurity threat or when there is a uh, known risk to the supply chain, deeply understanding who's bought what by what vendor and being able to take immediate action mm-hmm. in collaboration with the federal community. So, you know, we're, we're, it's allowing us to protect national security better. It's um, it allowing us to use this data in interesting new ways. For example, working with the Ability One Commission and really identifying where other than uh, essentially the same products are being sold and being able to take put a tighter controls on those, on those uh, programs. And similarly, providing market intelligence back to the supplier community. Recently, we have uh, used this data to provide back to our 50 largest suppliers so that they can have intelligence around their pricing, their distribution challenge, their channels, and also predict where the need is going to be so that they can be better prepared to meet the need of the federal government. This is just good common sense work. And so we're excited to continue to invest in this program. Now, having said that, there are many challenges that remain in front of us, and we have to be thoughtful about expanding this program. For example, as you start going into the services marketplace, as you start going into highly configurable items, comparability of product line items does not become as easy. And so we have to do some deep thinking around how we compare apples to apples as we move forward, how we make sure that we collect the right data for services, for example, which looks very different than products. And so as we start to tackle these problems into the next year, we'll continue to hopefully in a thoughtful way and in collaboration with our stakeholders, continue to expand the usability and access to this program. Yeah, I think one too, one of the benefits that hopefully you'll see over time as well is, you know, just greater access to the commercial market. You know, the legacy, you know, CSP and the PRC do make it much more difficult for new technologies or new products, right, to actually be added to the schedule. But TDR, I think, breaks down that barrier. So there's a potential value to the customer and to industry as well um, in that regard. Absolutely. Um, and, and by the way, long-term, what I'm excited about is that it's going to actually create value to the supplier community as they're interacting with PaaS. So we're already starting to see some pilot programs where we're providing comparative pricing data back to the supplier at the point of doing a modification. So now the supplier knows that before they put this modification in for consideration or even a new offer in, they know what their price stands compared to their comp- competition. So that they can be smarter about marketing strategies, they can be smarter about how they present their product. Similarly, buyers can have a, a much better understanding of the total ecosystem of comparative products, and they can make smarter data-driven choices. So, so I'm excited. I think it is it is high time that we solve these set of very technical and very challenging problems. And uh, progress has been made. Of course, we want to do it in a very thoughtful way, and we want to do it in a way that uh, that 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 you know it stays true to our commitment to be compliant and to save taxpayer dollars. Right. All right. Um, next topic, Sonny. So let's get some, some, some lots of topics in hopefully before the end of the show, but um, you know, there's another part, a uh, part of FAS and that's the technology transformation service. Um, and I know there's a lot going on in that, in that organization as well, in terms of support for customer agencies and, and the public in general. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the activities and priorities and initiatives that are coming out at TTS? Uh, yeah, of course, Roger. Of course, thank you for, for bringing this up. Uh, so Technology Transformation Service is an increasingly uh, vital 
component of the federal acquisition service. Look, look, I mean, one of the things the pandemic has shown is that digital is now equal parity, if not is sometimes more important as a channel for providing services to the public as in-person or traditional call center-based mechanisms are, right? Historically, the impression of government was that you show up to building, you fill out a bunch of forms, you send them in in physical format, you forget about it, many weeks pass, and you might get a service back. Uh, however, increasingly, citizens expect that to be real-time through digital channels, through mobile devices, through apps, through websites. And so that's where Technology Transformation Service comes in. It is the largest digitally focused organization in the federal government that's not assigned to a particular agency's mission. And so it's the largest technology shared service in the entire federal government. And um, it's now uh, close to 500 individuals. We are focused on multiple ways uh, to help government agencies modernize their capabilities and systems. Through consulting services, we're helping agencies not just do individual projects, but also build the, the, the plumbing for doing agile citizen service focused user research-based projects in the in the future. So we're training the trainers who are going to be doing many, many projects like this in the future. Uh, we are also investing in modernizing uh, like emerging technology. We're working very closely with our partners in CISA on zero trust. We're working very closely with OMB on artificial intelligence investment. And most recently, working very closely with OMB on the implementation of the 21st Century IDEA Act, which is again going to improve the citizen experience as they interact with their government. Lastly, I'm going to mention a lot of shared services that have come together. I'll give you an example. We talked a little bit about login before, but another example of a great way to reuse the work that's been done in one place for the benefit of all is the US Web Design Service. Now, the US Web Design System is something that many people don't know, but this is a common set of capabilities and tools that we have built. It's open source. Any agency, whether it's a federal, uh, state, or local agency, can use it. And it provides a consistent look and feel for any citizen engaging with the government. So, so far, US Web Design System has uh, been adopted by 94 agencies, over 450 websites, 1.1 billion page views, all go through this common mechanism. 28% of all government-wide traffic goes through a US Web Design System approved page. Now, these are amazing numbers, but we're just getting started. And the advantage of that is that when, they, when a citizen interacts with their government, whether it's this agency or that, this system or that, they should have a consistent expectation of the user you, you look and feel. It should be 508 compliant. It should be accessible. It should be mobile friendly. All those things should be baked in. And that's exactly the impact that we're creating through TTS. Right. Um, and Sonny, that's a lot of stuff going on, I'm going to tell you. Um, and have, it sounds like it's having a huge impact in terms of uh, opportunities to make it easier for the public, quite frankly, to, to, to engage with the government um, and, and, and support the citizen. Um, and there's a bunch of other things that are going on. And uh, we have one more segment coming up. We can talk about a little bit more about the schedules programs, talk about some stuff that people may not know FAS does or on behalf of uh, customer agencies um, and the public. Uh, so we'll be back in a moment. My guest today is Sonny Hashmi. He is a commissioner of the Federal Acquisition Service. I'm Roger Waldron. You're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Sonny Hashmi. He's a commissioner for the Federal Acquisition Service at GSA. And we've been talking about all things FAS, as you would expect. Um, and Sonny, I know 
um, there, you know, we've talked about a lot of things are going on and I know there's a lot more and, um, you know, I know your focus is making it dead easy to do business with FAS. And I know you've looked at a few things with regard to the buyer experience. Can you talk about, about that as well as things that you're focusing on to support uh, small businesses in particular, whether it's through the schedules program or other programs? From the very beginning, one of the one of the key things that I've been trying to push, and 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 certainly to be clear, not not just me, but like the entire organization has been focused on, is to really continue to make it simpler to do business with us, both for suppliers and for customers. And um, you know, obviously, doing business with the government is complicated enterprise. We have many regulations and policies that have to be navigated. I I, I understand that it's not just a technology problem. It is a, and and so a lot of the focus has been on simplifying processes, simplifying policies. We've rolled out programs like the Springboard program that allow early, very early stage companies to get access to the federal marketplace. Many such examples exist. One of the examples I wanted to mention is uh, rolling out some new technology, digital capabilities. And one of the ones that we've done over the last year and a half is called buy.gsa.gov. It's a one-stop shop for a buyer to come in and do all the market research, price analysis, and identification of contracts to be able to, to, to do a start to end journey on when they want to procure something. And uh, another example of how we've taken user input in mind and actually built this tool with the ba- with the direct contribution of the end users. And um, so far, we've, we've seen great results. We've had over 800,000 visitors. We've had 1.3 million search inquiries around pricing. We're seeing, uh, you know, tens of thousands of users, uh, you know, logging in every month. And this is an example of how if we make it simpler for people to find the information they need, and 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 do the job they need. Uh, you know, we, we can we can create some some impact, and ultimately for our users, we're going to do similar things with the catalog platform coming up for the supplier community, and you're going to see some great results. But ultimately, for example, just through this platform alone, we're seeing over 800,000 person hours saved for end users who are doing a a, a job, a contracting officers who are looking for pricing, or searching contracts, or uh, doing 889 compliance checks. These are real numbers. And by throwing the right technology, the right automation at the right place in service for our customers, uh, we're seeing some great results as a result. So this buyer.gsa.gov sites, it has a all amalgamation of all kinds of information about various contracts and the pricing on those contracts and the pro and the and potential vend uh, contractors, vendors that could support exactly you know, a right. customer going in there. Right. Exactly right. It pulls data from everything from FPDS to SAM.gov to uh, all different data sources that we have behind the scenes. And a customer can go in and they check for pricing. They can check for prior statements of work that have been developed by other agencies that they could also use. They can create a little uh, library of their own documents so that they can reuse them over and over again. They can, uh, they can do price analysis. They can do market research. All of this can be done from one location. And that's cha- saving significant effort. And, and time for our customers. Yeah, that, that sounds great. I, I know I, lots of um, developments on, you know, that system side and that uh, customer facing side. And I, I was remiss. I wanted to ask you too, a little bit about FAS, the catalog platform initiative. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely, Roger. That's going to be the, one of the most exciting things over the next six months. We're already out of uh, beta and we're starting to roll in uh, vendors and suppliers into that platform. It is going to completely change the game on how suppliers interact with the with with this FAS, especially as related to the schedules program. So it's going to completely modernize 
what historically had to be done through programs like or tools like SIP and Core, really disjointed, thick clients, it's going to make it real time online. And the vendors will have real time intelligence back on their proposed products, their pricing, countries of origin, so that they can actually correct their catalogs before they fully send it in for modifications or, 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 or new offers. So it's going to be a very, very big change in terms of how suppliers interact with government. It's going to shave weeks out of a modification cycle, if not months out of an offer cycle. So I'm very, very excited about that program. More to come on that. We, we, we plan to roll in uh, suppliers in batches uh, starting now and going on through the first half of next year. Yeah, I know and that's a project too, where there's been a lot of outreach to industry to get feedback uh, on, you know, on the effort and what the requirements are and that sort of thing. That's even, I think that's been hugely yeah, positive. We have, we have many suppliers in the program already and we're collecting their feedback on a daily basis. And I can tell you across the board, there's been nothing but, uh, but high praise from the, from the suppliers who are already using this program. Yeah, that, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, so we're, we've got about a couple minutes left, and you know, it's um, FAS is a big place. There's lots of folks there, about four thousand or so, and a big mission. And it's always kind of interesting some of the things that people um, you may not know that FAS does. Can you talk a little about some of those unsung things that you know don't people like in DC may not necessarily focus on it. You know, everybody talks about Oasis plus or Alliant or the schedules or other programs. What are some of the other things that, that you all support? Yeah. And deliver. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, It is a, it is an honor of my lifetime to, to be in this role right now because the impact of the organization is so broad and so large. Um, As an example, uh, we are a- actively working on the ground in Maui right now, working with our federal partners to make sure that they have the supplies they need. Like literally, like imagine the EPA uh, environmental uh, investigator going through Maui right now to try to understand the impact, long-term imp- environmental impact. That person has to be supported. They need tools, they need capability, they need transportation. At the same time, we are housing through our, our logistics and temporary housing program, many of the uh, folks who've been affected and displaced uh, through that wildfire. Um, is just one example of uh, things that we do. On the fleet side, we manage the largest fleet in the country uh, and uh, increasingly uh, larger percentage of that is now electric vehicle. So we are helping the industry set standards on what electric vehicle charging infrastructure looks like, what plug to use when you buy your electric vehicle, what cybersecurity capabilities need to be baked in to your charging infrastructure, the little charger that you go put your credit card into. All of those things uh, happen because we set the standards for the federal government. Many years ago, the three-point safety belt in cars and the third brake light became standard because GSA required automakers to put these safety features in their cars, and now they're, they're available for everybody to benefit. We're doing the same kind of thing for electric vehicles and charging infrastructure. And lastly, uh, we have a, you know, we, we, we are, uh, we participate in implementing the per diem rate, which everybody benefits from across the government, across the industry. We, um, we set the airline uh, capabilities and uh, by using data back to, uh, for the benefit of the government, we help negotiate airline pricing so that anybody who takes a flight on behalf of the federal government is getting the best deal uh, available across the country, across the globe. And so we do a lot of different things that people may not be aware of, but I'm very proud of the impact we create. Uh, and in some cases, we, may, we, we, make, uh, we, we move industries 
uh, because uh, we bring the federal government's buying power together on behalf of the American people for their benefit. Yeah, thanks, Sonny. That's a great, great way to end the show. And I have to tell you, great minds think alike, because when you made, you brought up those fleet examples about the safety features, I, I remember those things because I was back, back in the, a long, long, long time ago. I was there when, when GSA was working on those things. So those are great points. And, and there's a lot, go, lot that FAS does that, you know, that at the end of the day, uh, people aren't aware of, but it makes makes a huge difference on behalf of all of us. So, Sonny, thanks so much for doing the show. I really appreciate it. My guest today has been Sonny Ashmi. He's a commissioner for the Federal Acquisition Service at the General Services Administration. I'm Roger Walder, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.